While artificial intelligence, this is where this kind of plays in, it's an exciting computing tool, right? It's something that um, I have to learn and study in my profession, right? I'm a technologist by trade, cloud technology. Artificial intelligence is consuming cloud technology. And I have to learn and know how to use it and implement it ethically and well. But one reoccurring conversation that keeps coming up in all the things that I'm learning, listening, reading, is how we deal with a man-made intelligence. Something that is now a new entity. How do we handle this entity ethically and philosophically in today's world? Right? Because man has essentially become the creator of a new life. Right? These people think that they have created life because you have a computer now that can think on its own. It can learn on its own. We have become the god of an electronic device. We have taught it to think like we think, to respond like we respond, to create like we create. Write blogs, write videos, pictures. Right? 90% of the pictures today are artificial intelligence. I put in a prompt, it spit out a picture. Right? These are things that we would normally do. We would normally create up. Right? In the image of us, we have created artificial intelligence. However, the big brains, I'm stealing AJ's turn, the big brains of technology, um, when they're having these ethical and philosophical discussions, they're coming at it from the secular humanist perspective that mankind is generally good in and of himself. Mankind is generally okay, right? And we can make decisions that are good based on our own surroundings. However, that's not the viewpoint that the Bible takes. The viewpoint that the Bible takes, the true viewpoint, is that man's good is man's inner nature is not to do good, but to do evil continually. There's two examples I want to look at. Keep in Genesis, flip over to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis 6, verse 5, says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually. That is the thoughts of mankind. Turn to Isaiah 64, because that was the pre-flood example. We could make an argument, oh, that was pre-flood, right? God judged them for that. Flooded the earth. Turn to Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, looking at verse 6, says, We have all become like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Where the pre-flood world was always evil continually, the post-flood world, we see that even our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. However, in mankind's attempt to avoid fading like a leaf, right? Because as Isaiah says, we all fade like a leaf. Mankind is trying to attempt to not fade like a leaf. We strive to create something that we can imprint ourselves on. The men of this world have created something that would enable them to put their likeness, their image, their voice, their thoughts into. And by some miraculous way, they think now that their minds can live forever 
in this artificial intelligence state while their body decays in the grave. They think that they will still live forever. Their consciousness will continue to go on. This advancement in technology reminds me of a comic. I like comics. I'll lighten it up a little bit. It reminds me of one comic book superhero story, Superman. You see, in the origins of Superman, you have this young alien boy who gets, um, lands on Earth, gets adopted by the Clark or the Kent family, assumes the name Clark Kent, and he grows up, and around his teenage years, um, his father, Jonathan Kent, dies in an accident that Superman could have prevented. Superman then goes in this deep state of turmoil, and he you know, finds this crystal from his spacecraft, and he tells his mom, I'm going on this journey to find what this crystal means. And so he travels through the Earth, and he ends up in the Arctic. And as he lands in the Arctic, he finds out that he can use this crystal to create something called the Fortress of Solitude. And this is where Superman goes, and there's this little pillar, kind of like the podium, and he can put his crystal in. And when he puts his crystal in, Ta-da! The artificial intelligence of his father appears. Right? His father has imprinted his likeness, his voice, his knowledge into this computer system. And now Clark Kent can interact with this artificial intelligence and the AI influences him to be the champion of the earth. Right? And that's, ah, ta-da! Now you have Superman. The champion of the world. However, the leaders in philosophy and tech, when they speak about AI, they speak about it like we are training the champion of our earth. That artificial intelligence will one day be the thing that can save us. Right? We can build it in a way to mimic our consciousness, our thoughts, our actions, right? our voices, our likeness. We can have images of us continue on again after our bodies have been in the grave. This is how the secular humanist thinks that he will live forever. He will imprint onto an artificial intelligence, and it will be his way forward. They forgot the power button. Every computer still has a power button. Can turn it off. They forgot about that. Now, oh, the picture didn't show. One of the guys leading um, the development of artificial intelligence is a guy by the name of Yuval Harari. Um, and if you're not familiar with Harari, he is one of the folks that's a part of the World Economic Forum. It's said that he is the second-hand man of Klaus Schwab, the leader of the World Economic Forum. And I recently listened to a podcast that had him on. I don't make it a point to listen to him because 99% of the time, I disagree with the guy. Used to be 100. He actually said one thing that I agreed with, so I mocked it down a little. But uh, in this podcast, um, they were discussing the um, technical and philosophical implications of artificial intelligence. And what he said really speaks to artificial intelligence and the pride of mankind. He says this. He says, the funny thing is, when you look to the future, more and more entities will come out of intelligent design not of some God above the clouds, but of our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds, of our computing clouds. They will design more and more entities. And this is what is happening with AI. Right? That comment right there, 
more and more, oh, there's this picture, more and more entities coming out of intelligent design, but out of our intelligent design, out of the intelligent design of our clouds, the things that we have built and made. And the one thing that gives me turmoil in working with artificial intelligence is this thought that a project that I am working on could be seen as something that comes out of my intelligent design. I hate it. Disgusting. But going back to what Dr. Fruchtenbaum said about the rabbinic interpretation of the Tower of Babel, right? think about this. He says this, It does not rest with God to choose the celestial sphere for himself and assign the earth for us. Let us make war against him. At the time of the Tower of Babel, they chose to make war against God by building this tower. Well, in listening to Harari and others about this AI movement, I've come to this conclusion. We're saying this. It does not rest with God to be the only creator of life. Let us then create life in our image and make war against him. We're saying the same thing as they did at Babel. Only instead of building a tower to the skies, we're building a tower that can fit in our Um, no, I meant to say that. Instead of building a tower to the skies, we got pictures. Building a tower that can go on our toaster and in our pocket. Look at that. I forgot about these pictures, man. So, that's where we're at. That is the state of the world at which we are in today, right? We're building towers that are compact, that can follow us anywhere. If it has an internet connection, it's huge. 